are listening to the Virgin Radio Pridecast. Steve Denier with you tonight on Virgin Radio Pride. It's my Pride playlist. Tonight, my special guest is British journalist, food writer, campaigner against poverty, non-binary legend. And I've got to say, the purveyor of very fine Pride cupcakes that she's got here. Hello, Jack Monroe. Hello. What an introduction that is. I'm very pleased with it. You can write my next Twitter bio. <laughs> Anytime I'm available for you. You know what I love so far about you is the, the fact that um, lots of people who've come in to do this haven't brought tracks or they haven't thought about it. You came in and there's, I mean, there's more than we need here. <laughs> yes, I... I, I... As my publisher will tell you, I always go quite close to the wire on delivery, but massively over-deliver. So. Really <laughs> now, before you, uh, before you pick your first track, I'm dying to ask you about your coming out journey as non-binary, because as far as I can remember, you were, if, you know, in this country, you were the first person to do this. It's something that, like, when I was a, a little girl, I thought I wanted to be a little boy. I wanted, I thought I wanted to be, at, at one point, I thought I wanted to transition to male. I've always had a real struggle with um, this whole idea that you've got to pick like you're either male or female you're either masculine or feminine you're either butch or femme and I was like I was never any of those things I was always just existed in the sort of a slipstream between the two and to find out that you know as the internet has broken down all of the barriers of sort of you know communities and conversation and you can actually find your tribe now in a way that growing up in a tiny little village in the in the deepest darkest Essex you can't um was really empowering for me to think this is not just a weirdness in in me there are other people out there who also are very fluid with their gender expression with their gender identity um so I came out as non-binary but I didn't do it from any sort of pioneering point of view I did it as just it was national coming out day and i just did it as a tweet and the papers just went nuts and i was like invited to do interviews about it stuff like that and I was like, it's not a really big deal and sometimes i like to express myself in a more masculine way and sometimes i like to express myself in a more feminine way but actually years later i get i still get emails from parents saying um i read your article in the guardian about being non-binary and it's helped me like find resources for or understand my child better or and I'm I'm not an authority on it. I can only speak about my own experiences, mm. and and that's been fairly imperfect so far. But it's also so freeing to be able to just know that my experiences aren't this unique torment that I that I put myself through. They're quite similar to quite a lot of other people's experiences as well. Um, and to find people that you can identify with and share and share those experiences with is fantastic it's it's really it is empowering it is really it's just taken away that angst over well if I express myself in a more masculine manner this is what's expected of me or if I'd suddenly want to wear a dress to this do um will it undo the arguments I had about wearing a dress to that do Mm. arguments with myself and it's like no I could just and it's not all about clothing and, and like external experience but it's and I'm not explaining it very well <laughs> anyway, no you are you are but I mean, it's you're just saying, you know, that you should be who you want to be just when... being exactly just being able to be exactly who I am without needing to tick a box or satisfy a need or somebody else's external perception of me and to be able to accept that 
that how I identify my gender identity, it can change. It doesn't have to be fixed. I mean, people people change their sort of religious beliefs. People change how they feel about themselves. People change their people change their moral codes all the time. Why can't I change my gender identity according to new things that I learn about myself in any given in any given time? Um, so yeah, that's been a bit of a, a bit of an interesting experience. I, I don't think people understand non-binary identities as as well as they could. I think again, people are people can be a bit odd about things that are outside of their sphere of experience. Mm. I think people can sometimes think that like being non-binary is sort of this woke generational nonsense but actually fluid gender identities have been um, recorded as being sort of in existence and acceptance across across the world for thousands of years it's not anything new it's just we can find each other with hashtags now <laughs> what would you this is a bit of a powerful question or a big question or whatever a loaded question but what would you say to somebody who's listening to this interview thinking oh wow that's me do you know or somebody who's having that battle of not quite getting how they should define themselves what would you say to somebody well i wish that somebody has said to me 20 years ago that you don't have to make a, a fixed choice you don't have to be you don't have to tick other people's boxes or expectations about yourself you can this can be a journey for you. You can move through and try on different different identities and see what fits you. And nobody has a right to make you feel bad about that. Nobody has a right to make you feel anything other than exactly who you are. Like if you can if you can express yourself and get to know yourself and be completely happy and comfortable with yourself and you choose to sort of promote that outwardly and how you present yourself as well, then that's that's got to be better than carrying it around in the dark inside your head. I mean, I know that I really struggled with my physical presentation when I first came into the public eye. Mm. I got lots of well-meant but terrible advice from people about not looking too gay or not mentioning this or not looking too... And I, I ended up just wearing this uniform of denim shirts, black jeans, very sort of androgynous, boring nonsense because I just, I just didn't want to reveal anything about myself. And I wish that I'd ignored all that and just worn what I liked, done what I liked, snogged who I liked and just put two fingers up to the lot of it because to be able to be freely exactly who you are is one of the most powerful gifts you can give yourself and no one's got the right to take that away from you well that's amazing let's uh, get on with your first tune tonight what do you fancy we are starting with standing in the way of control tell me about this now this came out in the early 2000s and it was the theme tune for the l word um for, for series three yeah for a while um and I, well, it was everywhere it was absolutely everywhere i was obsessed with the l word because of course i was and um and it was just it was playing in the supermarket and i was suddenly like here is this anthem of lesbianism which it's not but that's what i associate it with playing in my local Asda and I just loved it and I was like it's powerful it's it's 
brilliant and it just always kind of transports me back to what I thought at the time was a very complicated period in my life but I have come to realise that it was actually pretty simple wasn't it so talk me through that 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 complicated period. Well, I was I I was working out that I was gay. I was falling in love with everybody, um, mostly unrequited, but that is the story of my life. Um, and I was just I was coming to grips with like my burgeoning sexuality. I was leaving school. I was I, I was discovering the L word. I was I was in this sort of exciting cusp of the possibilities of what life could be. Of course, I was wildly wrong with all of my predictions about all of it. Um, but underpinning that was this fantastic sort of grouchy feminist anthem that was everywhere. And seeing Beth Ditto on the front covers of magazines mm. in the early 2000s was absolutely groundbreaking. For someone who's always struggled with like my body image and my and generally with my own sort of self-esteem, just Beth Ditto was game changer for me. Absolute game changer. So here we are. Now, we spoke about that kind of coming out period for you. It sounded incredibly exciting, but is it fair to say it was also scary? Yeah, I I had kissed a girl on a geography school field trip. Right. And, and I was suddenly like, this is what all the fuss is about. Like, I'd kissed boys. Boys are all right, you know. I've got yeah. a soft spot for a few of them. But I was suddenly like, it was the whole thing. It was the fireworks, it was the leg lift, it was the heart spinny moment. Yeah. And it was like, oh, that's it, that's it. Like, I like it. girls. And so the whole, and then I got expelled from school, but for a separate incident of not involving snogging. Um, and so suddenly I'd, I was discovering who I was. I was being cast out into the big wide world. I was being sort of getting my first job. And, and there was this there was this punchy sort of feminist anthem underpinning the whole lot of it and I just remember it coming up time and time and time and time again Brilliant. in that period what are we going to go for next uh, next we've got <laughs> Take Me on the Floor by the Veronicas oh, similar man. era okay <laughs> now we're rocking it up tell me about this uh, well I, I put this on my playlist not expecting stupidly to have to extrapolate too hard <laughs> well it could be about what was going on in your life uh, you know when this song came out what was going on in my life then was again I was discovering my burgeoning sexuality and I had probably the first big love affair of my life How old were was, you? I was my late teens maybe maybe 20 19, 20 so were you fully out at, at, at this age? Did yeah I was in the fire service I had epaulets for God's sake I was out I was properly like skinhead head of my like we were formed the local pride group the LGBT group in the fire service at the time yeah. I was gay with a capital G capital A capital Y I was I was out and this became um, this became a song that I would put on my playlist when I, when I was going out, when I was getting ready to go out, when yeah. I, was, I had CDs, I would burn CDs <laughs> on my little <laughs> Sony Vio laptop that was like a collection of bricks now. I've still this got it. This is so kind of early noughties. It probably is, is exactly yeah. So. And I would be around, I had like my first flat that was all mine, that I rented, so not all mine, but you know, it was my space and I would crank it up on my on my laptop really loudly, as loud as those early 2000s laptops would go and I'd be getting ready to go out and I worked in a nightclub at the time as well and it was my pump-up song. What, what they were now, I don't know, call like a hype song or like a... Yeah, like you're 
get, get entry up and song. Go, you, yeah, you know? and it was always got me right in the. Gets the I feel good. So we're going to swerve into um, some Taylor Swift now. Looking forward to this. Is is she someone that you look up to? My love for Taylor Swift has been a slow burn. Right. Um, over the last over the last few years, over the last three or four years, and then the Folklore album just wow. I just I I came out. I came out. I've come out as many things in my lifetime. I've gone back into many other closets in my lifetime as well. But I was that. That was me. Cards on the table. I'm a Swifty. That's it. Banging Taylor Swift fan. Not even remotely embarrassed about it. Uh, And this song, The Last Great American Dynasty, I love... I love her storytelling element anyway, but I just love the sheer naughtiness that goes through every single line of it. You know, stealing a dog and dying at Key Lime Green and Taylor actually buying the house at the end of the song. And that, just that casual throwaway line. About, but there's the... Um, I had a marvellous time ruining everything was a line that just stood out and stood out and stood out. Because I, it's no secret that over the course of my life I have waded into and spectacularly mucked up an awful lot of adventures and different things that I've done. I just rush headlong into things and I just go, oh yeah, I'm going to do this. Oh, that didn't quite work out. Right, I'm going to do something else. Right, I'm going to do something else. Oh, having a baby, this will be a piece of cake. Oh, lost my job now. Oh, oops. And you know what? I have actually, I have run headlong into things all my life and left chaos in my wake and I've had a jolly good time doing it. (laughs) Since you walked in here half an hour ago, you haven't stopped smiling and you actually, you know, you exude confidence, happiness and, but also a kind of like, oh, well, you know, Celebi, whatever, you know, I'm not that bothered about things. I'm not taking things too seriously. Would that be true? Have I picked up the real jam? You have picked up on something that um, I've, I've spent a lot of time in therapy recently and it probably shows um, because me six months ago might have been a bit less devil may care about some of the more difficult situations I've found myself in or some of the more sort of colourful periods of my life. And I'm kind of like, look, I am where I am. What's happened has happened. All I've got control over is what I do and who I am going forward. And so I might as well not be a miserable git about it. And just, I find that if I try to maintain a healthy, positive attitude, um, it doesn't mean that problems magically go away. They don't appear to intensify and magnify in the way that they do if you sit and dwell on them. Um, so, yeah, I'm just having, uh, literally having a marvellous time ruining everything right now. <laughs> Um, what's your next pick? What should we go for? Um, next, we've got Gaslighter by The Chicks. Okay, now I've heard yeah. this. Tell me about this. This is a fantastic song. Um, and I have been in relationships that this describes, like, to a T. Not recently. I seem to have wised up in my sort of 30s. How have you, how have you developed through relationships? Uh, what have you learnt through through time? Oh, I've learnt that I'm a bit of, a, a bit messy as a human being. Oh, well, <laughs> um, but Yeah, but what I've learned really is that, that I certainly get out what I put in into relationships, and whether that's um, friendships, whether that's uh, romantic relationships, whether that's flings, whatever that is. I have a tendency to isolate myself sort of emotionally and I can be very very distant and very sort of you know disconnected and I've worked out that actually if I just don't do that I tend to have a much better time and so does the other person yeah and so yeah my biggest sort of development lately has been about sort of 
letting barriers down, letting walls down, and letting letting people in, and that's a that's been a real lesson, but one that is paying dividends. That's Do, nice. Does does that take training? Um, uh, <laughs> You know, because it's really weird you saying that I've got this thing where I feel like I box people off. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 you're just here for this and then I'm going to... Mm-hmm. And it's terrible. And I, I, to be fair, I mean, I've tried to get better at it. I'm still not great. <laughs> Is that the kind of thing we're talking about? There's things you know that are the issue, but you kind of work on them to to make sure... Or you re- at least recognise them. Does it does it make things better? Yeah, it's it's kind of like um, there's a there's a study on um, introducing new foods to children that says that you have to they have to taste something 16 times before they work out whether they like it or not and like this study was clearly written by somebody who's not had a willful child but I kind of feel like that's like me and friendships and relationships like you have to keep proffering it until eventually I go oh do you know what this is all right now not everybody's got the tenacity or the sort of the emotional strength to continue to do that when you know when I don't answer messages or when I'm just I'm a bit of a git sometimes or whatever but the people who have stuck around um they're friends for life people and I've I've now that I'm a bit less in my head and in my feelings than I than I previously might have been I'm I'm have I am having a much better time and relationships and friendships are a lot more reciprocal and lovely and rewarding and joyous as we go into this song how are you, are you together with anybody at the moment no, do you mind me asking no i'm not with anyone at the moment i i have a an 11 year old boy and a large ginger cat and they both keep me quite busy enough Steve Dania on my Pride playlist tonight on Virgin Radio Pride. Jack Monroe is with me. Uh, Counting Crows and Accidentally in Love from a certain awesome movie, it's got to be said. This was in one of the Shrek movies. Right. Now, I would like to, I would like it known that well, I previously mentioned my angsty teenage era. Counting Crows very much underpinned all of that. I've got, I've got my, a lot of my tattoos are Counting Crows related. Can I ask about, about the tattoos while you've messaged, uh, yeah. mentioned it? How many have you got? 47. Wow. I so, only know that because I counted them once because I kept being asked and I didn't have a definitive answer. So I can see, you know, your arms, you, you kind of sleeve this jacket. Yeah. Uh, so they, where do they go? They, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Um, there's, I, basically you can see 46 of them if I've got a vest top on, but there's one that, uh, that not many people have seen, shall we say. Yeah, she's giving me that look. She's like, move on, Steve, come on. My mother might listen to this. And, and some of them are influenced by Counting Crows. Yes, say. quite a lot of them are Counting Crows influenced. I've Tell got me. the cow- album cover for This Desert Life, which is a guy with a goldfish bowl on his head um, with goldfish in it and a bowler hat and a suit on the back of my arm. Um, I've got a big crow. I've got this... Um, pocket watch from time and time again so uh, it would have felt quite weird to have done this playlist and not included a Counting Crows song. Why did the song speak to you? Accidentally in Love is one that again it was just a period of my life where I found myself accidentally falling in love all over the place and it was a song that really it's it's joyous, it's it's uplifting and it's it, it really captures that that 
feeling, that walking into Lamphos feeling, that sort of your head slightly spun out, all the colours in the world look a little bit brighter, everything seems a little bit more like it's got a purpose. You know, you could be very... It captures that sort of that childlike wonder of early of early romance, where, where suddenly you're like, oh, birds in the sky. Oh, look at those birds in the sky. Aren't they the best birds in the sky? You know, you everything's know. Just everything's just brilliant. Everything's just great, isn't it? <laughs> OK, Jack, back to this. What we got on next? Uh, next, we've got Welcome to the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. Right, go for it. Now this is uh, this is quite a tune. This is actually one of my eleven-year-old son's favourite songs. Oh, um, what's his and name? He's called Johnny. Okay. Um, well, he'll tell me off for that now because he's going to secondary school. He's called Jonathan, <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's decided now that he wants to be called Jonathan rather than Johnny. And describe but him. Uh, what's he like? Well, from that you can see he's probably very willful. <laughs> um, he knows his own mind. He's confident, but he's generous, and he's he's. Very sensitive, but he's very, very kind, like kind to a fault, um, very caring, um, also a bit officious. So we can't we can't quite decide, his dad and I, whether he'd make an excellent like nurse or traffic warden. But if there's a job that encapsulates both of those personality types in one, it would it that would be my son. Amazing. Maybe like a, a ward sister or something, a matron or yeah. something with a little bit of purpose and rules, but also very gentle and very caring. I don't know where he gets either of those personality traits from, obviously. <laughs> 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 the look she's given me. Um, Jack, so did you always want to be a parent? Or did that happen all of a sudden? Can you talk me through that decision? Well, it's um I mean it's quite a it's quite a widely it's quite a widely known story. But um I my parents were foster carers when I was growing up and from the age of about four my household was a revolving door of children in various degrees of trauma, distress, life experiences, you know, abject poverty, all many, many, many sad reasons why children end up um, in the care of the local authorities yeah. rather than with their parents. So I had really been a parent for about 15 years before I fell pregnant with my son by a proxy parent other, yeah right. I'd been I'd been I'd been a confidant I'd been a I've been a help around the house I'd been I'd done I'd done a lot of sort of accidental child rearing and my parents did you know 95 99% of it but as the oldest girl in the house um children confided things in me and they they would they would sort of come to me with with various issues and problems and I found myself having possibly more of a, more of a nurturing role in the household than a than a child could like would ideally have but that's shaped who I am today and that's fine and when I found out that I was pregnant I was terrified because my only real experience of children was all of the ways in which their lives could go catastrophically wrong like how not to do it not so much I mean there's some but how fragile they are yeah and how how such small well they're not small events to 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 children but how things that can be seemingly innocuous like you know a poor diet or um or you know not getting the emotional support that you need as a child can go on to have such lasting impacts throughout a child's life i was terrified i was like i'm gonna have to do every single thing right because otherwise my child might get taken into care because that was all i'd known um, but it must have made you, that must be the basis to be a really great parent. Because you uh, know... <laughs> well, I mean, I've been... I've been the only parent I've known how to be. 
Um, but I've, my son is very balanced, very well adjusted, and very nice. So I think, and his dad has been fifty percent of the scaffolding for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it did. It did instill a baseline of terror in me. But also, I, his dad and I weren't in a relationship by the time I discovered I was pregnant. He was, you know, we, we remained friends. We, we we're still friends. And I took him down the pub, and I sat there nursing a lemonade. <laughs> And I went, I'm pregnant. And we were just friends and work colleagues, really, that had had a bit of a fling. Mm. And he put his drink down and he said, well, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but whatever you whatever you decide, I will support you 100%. And to his credit, he has done exactly that. Amazing. That's, and we share taste in music so as I was going through um, is this one as of those I was songs going through, this is one of those songs that the agreeable. three of us it's like a family anthem <laughs> do you know it sounds like a really successful happy unit just just from you chatting and um, you mm. know I'd, I'd love to meet you Meet your son. He sounds like a legend. <laughs> He's, let, let, he'll 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 love that. <laughs> he'll love that. He's like, yeah, I got called a legend on Virgin Radio. <laughs> like, let's get this all out in the summer holidays. You get your head kicked in when you go to secondary school. You walk around the playground, saying things like that. <laughs> my chemical romance on Virgin Radio Pride. Steve Denny here doing my Pride playlist. All these songs chosen by Jack Monroe. Now this is a tune. Now we hit the emotional bent. We've okay. got Common People by Pulp. Now this is uh, mid nineties isn't it? Um, yeah. Tell me. Tell me more. Well, this only really came into its own for me after I started doing stuff, in activism and campaigning around poverty after yeah. my own experiences. Um, it's a sort of a, it's a bittersweet song for me um, because it's, I've used, I've quoted it in various interviews um, and various things that I've written about poverty and inequality and various various associated topics over the years but it's also something that sometimes gets quoted at me by people being abusive on the internet saying oh well you went to a grammar school or your parents are still together or whatever you you don't know real poverty I was like I experienced a considerable amount of hardship actually you know you don't it doesn't matter really where you've come from if you've your situation ends up that you can't feed yourself can't heat your home can't like take care of your most fundamental human needs it's not a it really wasn't a if you called your dad he could stop it all moment yeah um but it's i did letters live which is um a it's organised by the guys who do Letters of Note at um, Freemasons Hall a few years ago. And right. it's where basically semi-well-known people and well-known people um, are all given a, a famous historical letter and we read it out as a, like a piece of performance okay. art. It's an excellent evening. Um, and I did uh, Lily, the transgender girl, who's in the da- whose life story inspired the Danish Girl movie. And I was standing behind Jarvis Cocker waiting to go on (laughs) and Common People is also on my hype playlist as I'm sitting there with my hand folded in my ears like doing like Common People in my in my ears and um and I took a a little headphone out and I was like that's Jarvis Cocker and then I thought I hope he can't hear that because he might think I'm a right idiot anyway he turned around and he shook my hand and he went Jack massive fan and that was it. I wasn't nervous before then, and then I just wanted to be sick everywhere. Oh. <laughs> so, oh, did, did that's you, uh, did you that's have a conversation uh, with that's him? no. I just sort of gawped at him slightly, and just was a bit like, 
ah, thanks. <laughs> and um, yeah, I saw him again at a festival about a year later, but I didn't dare go over and say hello because um, I was quite convinced he was just being nice. Now, Jack, I've got to ask you, as I do every single guest every week that we've done this, one question for you. What does pride mean? What does pride mean to you? That's a question, isn't it? And one I should have been expecting. <laughs> what does pride to me means just the freedom to be exactly who I am without fear of retribution or violence or discrimination and literally just the word pride. Not just to be tolerated, not just to be accepted, but to be able to be proud of every single strand of my frankly bonkers personality and inner self and carry that and just not feel anything other than completely exuberantly joyful about the whole lot of it. That's pride, I think, to me. Amazing answer, amazing answer. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to touch on is you've done so much great work um, with your charity work mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the blog and, uh, and uh, all the stuff that you've done for, for poverty and stuff. Um, not many people do that, and I suppose most people will think of Marcus Rashford. Oh, yes, I love well, Marcus. So do you know each other? Because you've both done... So tell me... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were... That is another one of those strange things that happens in my happens in my life. I mean, I, cramming it all into this makes it sound like I live a life of high society and glamour, Premier League footballers and, and Glastonbury Festival, but actually the majority of the time I'm sat at my dining table banging my pen on it, trying to think of words to write. Um, but sometimes, sometimes these absolute diamond moments happen and I'm here to talk about... Well, many of them as possible yeah. so I got a phone call from GQ magazine saying uh, hello Jack we'd like you to um, write an article about. we'd like you to do something with Marcus Rashford for our men of the year um, thing we, uh-huh. he's our man of the year I was like no no surprise there. <laughs> He's just fed the nation's children. And so we went to his old primary school, um, Button Lane Primary School in Withenshaw, and we cooked together in his school wow. kitchen, in oh, his amazing. old school kitchen. Um, and we, yeah, we made a recipe from one of my books and we had a good old chat about poverty and austerity and free school meals and children and, and you know, and, and all, of the, all of the places where our lives do intersect um, and it was fantastic and he was so lovely and he is very very handsome I had to keep sort of just sort of stopping looking at him and focus on doing my doing yeah. the thing that I was there to do which was not to look moon-eyed at Marcus Rashford <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of footage of that um, <laughs> and uh, yeah but he's so lovely and he's so I know everyone says it about him but I spent an entire day with that man and photo shoots and filming are typically extremely stressful they mm. can bring the absolute diva out in all of us and he was nothing but really really gentle, decent, generous with his time, kind, hilarious. Um, we had a great time and yeah, we've got sort of we retweet stuff on Twitter every now and again, like mutual interest stuff and, and when it came out it was it was really lovely and the reception to it was lovely and the kids actually ended up presenting him with the award oh, and it was really nice and he's just so lovely. And the work he's done is incredible. Thank you so much, Jack Monroe. It's been a fantastic hour on my Pride playlist here on Virgin Radio Pride. Now, I thought we'd finish with a song that I remember you said was one of your absolute favourites 
Billy Bragg with the New England. I know that you said you busked with him. It must have been amazing. Let's end with this song. And thank you again.